and goblins. You're listening to That Slayer Show, Halloween edition. This is the ninth episode of That Slayer Show. We happen to be recording it on Halloween. Very exciting. Boo. I'm Madeline Kane. And I'm Kate Schroeder. And today we're going to be looking at episode nine, The Puppet Show, through the theme of fear. <laughs> Very appropriate to the holiday. All right, so our one-minute recap, Keita. This is going to be a doozy. It was an interesting episode. All right, Keita, I'm going to count you in. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so there's a talent show going on at the school, and Giles is directing the talent show because he's supposed to talk to students more. And then Buffy and Willow and Xander are making fun of him, but then they actually get in trouble for making fun of Giles, and then they have to be in the talent show, too. Right, and then a girl from the talent show has her heart cut out, and everyone thinks it's by a human, but Buffy thinks it's by a demon. And in the talent show is this guy named Morgan who's a ventriloquist, and his dummy is named Sid, and, the du- and he's really good at ventriloquism. Right, and then Buffy's like, I think Sid is actually the demon cutting out people's hearts. And then she sees Sid in her, in her bedroom at night, and then there's also the scene where Morgan and Sid are talking to each other, so, like, Sid is alive. Right, and no one really believes her, and then she's like, no, it's definitely Sid, and then she finds Morgan dead with his brain out. Yeah, and then it turns out that um, Sid is actually a demon hunter, not the demon, and he is trying to kill the demon so that he can be made flesh and die. Right, and then Buffy and everyone's like, oh, okay, shit, who's the demon? And then... Um, uh, um, <laughs> and, and Giles almost dies, but then he doesn't die and Buffy saves the day. Jesus Christ. Wow. I can tell you three ums were not part of the plot. <laughs> wow. I really spaced because we were doing so well and I just got overconfident. Yeah. Listen, you know. Not every day can be perfect. That's one thing I've learned. If there's one thing I personally have learned that probably nobody else has learned in 2020 is that times are tough sometimes. Oh, my God. Madeline. That's just my personal journey for this year. Wow, that's really deep. I know. Thanks for sharing. I just like to be vulnerable with you. So I kind of think that recap was a lot like the episode itself. All over the place. You know, we're going at like 60 miles an hour and then all of a sudden it's like a u-turn and it's confusing and you're like wait what and then like the last bit of the story was packed into five minutes at the end right so there was this giant plot twist where you think sid is like the classic villain of the episode and he's very creepy so creepy but then it turns out that he's actually a demon hunter and he's just like Buffy trying to stop the demon that's killing people. So basically, he used to be a demon hunter, and then he was cursed, and that's why he's a dummy. Right. And to be uncursed, he has to, like, kill demons. Yeah, yeah. Weird, kind of unnecessary. Like, how did you feel about that? I was like, what was the point of this? Uh, well, it, okay, so this leads very well into our theme of fear. Great. So... Sid is easy to be scared of, right? Because he's this very creepy looking dummy. And you think of Chucky and all these classic dolls that are really creepy. And it was easy to assign him the role of villain. So it was surprising and sort of made me check my own fears. You're conditioned to be afraid of certain things. And that's what this episode felt like it was exploiting that tendency in people to like recognize something as being scary and then sort of putting all their eggs in that basket. But then they're like, whoa, actually the creepy doll isn't the scary person. And it's actually this white boy. 
in high school who is also a demon but looks normal. Right. Oh, I love that. I was thinking about the importance of Buffy already being scared of puppets. Right. She was already scared of puppets. So she especially was like conditioned to be scared of Sid. And then he was just creepy after that. So it just made a lot of sense. Well, he thought, okay, so this was important for the recap. Like he thought that Buffy was a demon. So that's why he was trying to attack Buffy. And he was like sneaking into her room at night because he saw that she was extra strong. And so that's why he attacked her. Sure. Yeah. So it was like in some ways the plot twist was interesting for sure. So sometimes I find that plot twists can feel a little bit like I'm being tricked and I don't like them for that reason. Is that did you feel that way in this episode at all? Not so much that I was being tricked. Okay, so it gave context to all of the things that the demon and Morgan were doing up until that point. But then we were now had a new villain for whom we had no context. It was perplexing. It was hard. After that happened, I just felt kind of like I was free-floating free because I had no leads. Yeah, totally. Where did you see fear in this episode, Keita? Okay, so I'm interested in exploring fear as a space and i was really interested in the locker room scene yeah wait the the one where the girl gets her heart ripped Mm -hmm. out (laughs) that one yeah so i think it's interesting how the locker room keeps being the place of attacks or fear it's this is the third time at least in the season right so at the very beginning a dead body falls out of a locker And then in the most recent episode, episode eight, Buffy gets almost like attacked in the locker, right? A trap is set for her. And then this time this is happening. And I just think it's interesting how the locker room is this space of uncertainty. And I like how it, it is kind of scary, right? Locker rooms are big. They're echoey. There's a lot of space for people to hide in. Yeah, I like the idea of exploring this so one thing that comes to mind too with locker rooms is that they're also a place of vulnerability and that often you're changing that's a weird combination of a private thing being in a public space so I wonder how that might contribute to it being a a place for scary things to often happen bathrooms especially like bathrooms locker rooms they're like a common space for in the horror genre for like attacks to occur in and so there's like this threat of like attacking people in these spaces where you're vulnerable be it a bathroom or a locker room i like the idea of like it being really tied in with vulnerability because right i think when i'm like spaces where i feel fear is mostly just my apartment at night but <laughs> but there is like a vulnerability there, right? There's an aloneness. There's a not being able to see thingsness. Madeline, any other places you noticed some some fear? One of the places that I noticed it is how Principal Snyder tries to invoke fear in students. He's not very scary. You know, he's like the small kind of mousy man. And I don't exactly know what it is about him but you just don't like him he's not a likable character mm-hmm. you can tell he tries to be domineering he tries to make students afraid of him and i want to maybe explore that why he's not that scary even when he tries to be you know what i mean right or like his tactics for trying to make people afraid of him at uh, most people are like Uh, I guess I better do what he says. Otherwise, he'll make me do something that will be inconvenient. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So he's in this position of power. He's the principal. So he does have influence and control over the students' lives. But I think part of the reason that he's not so scary is that it's obvious that he cares a lot about people thinking that he's the most in charge because he needs it so badly it almost takes away some of the fear that he's able to invoke in people do you agree yeah there's something kind of desperate about everything desperate like why do you need these high schoolers to be afraid of you it almost seems like he's insecure yeah which makes him less scary right i wonder if there's if there's something that is more scary about confidence like a confident person who's mean is (laughs) a lot scarier than someone who seems to be desperately trying to be mean yeah okay so one of my favorite podcasts is ologies with Allie ward and there's an ologies episode called fearology where she interviews an expert in fear and said expert says that all fear can be put into two categories the fear of not being in control and the fear of not being enough and the more I've thought about it the more I agree (laughs) with her and I'm wondering if we can sort of apply that idea to the fear that we saw in this episode yes I think a lot of us are motivated by fear and I think that the characters in this show or no exception you know i think buffy definitely likes to be in control vampires she knows how to deal with but the fear of not being in control may have been exacerbated in this episode because she doesn't even know how can a dummy be alive like what's going on with that that's something we've never seen before she's never seen before why is the dummy attacking her right (laughs) so many unknowns that could lead someone to feel really not in control of the situation Yeah, I think that ties in a little bit with when she's trying to tell everyone what she thinks about the dummy. I think there was a little bit of fear in that where I think she was afraid that they weren't going to believe her at all. And they were just going to write her off as making it up, which they sort of did do. Which they did, which is so annoying. She continues to be. Well, I guess actually she wasn't right about this, but the dummy was alive. Right. And it wasn't a crazy guess. No. And she was right about the fact that the murderer was a demon, not a human. I wonder the fear that she felt around telling her friends that. I wonder if that was also this sort of fearness of maybe not being in control like of what they were going to respond to, of not being able to convince them. Right. And there's almost the sense of, is she crazy? When your people who are closest to you don't believe you, then it sort of makes you question your own sense of what happened. You know, I wonder if Buffy is at all questioning. I mean, she seems really confident that it was a dummy, that was in her room but when that happens it can make people question what they even remembered like wait did my mind play tricks on me Mm -hmm. is this crazy am i crazy yeah another thing so you mentioned just now she was very adamant that it was a demon to begin with i think buffy wanted it to be a demon for sure she definitely needed this terrible thing to have been done by something that she has an idea of how to deal with but i also thought it was interesting how it was less scary for the entire crew for that to have been done by a demon than by a human i think there was like a moment of everyone sort of being like oh shit a person did this with a knife 
Yeah. And that was scary. Like, why would someone do that? Why would someone do that to our classmate? It was almost as if all the people that have died from vampires and everything didn't hit as deep because those, those are vampires. But if someone's being killed by a human, heck, anyone can die. There are so many humans around. Yeah. You know, the stories where people in the news where people are murdered by people they don't even know or like by someone who's not involved in their life at all. Sometimes it can feel even more scary or tap into a deeper fear in all of us because it feels like, okay, that could have been me. Right. So the idea that it was a human. Well, I don't know. I mean, demons can target humans at random, too. Right. And even though they're living on the Hellmouth, I think there is something a little more visceral about the human being the culprit. It does feel scarier. Because there is that moment where they're like, ooh, there's a lot of humans here. Anything else for you? I guess I'm wondering about how we're conditioned to fear certain people and how that sort of played out in this episode with everyone being conditioned to be afraid of the creepy dummy and maybe not look elsewhere the white boy was the actual yeah bad guy but he was so easily overlooked and not considered a threat right yeah i think to zoom it out to like the societal level again who we are told to find threatening is not often the people that cause harm and do right. terrible things like mass shootings in america are usually carried out by white males right but for some reason as like a culture there's this fear of the middle eastern terrorist so i think it is interesting this idea of like clinging on to something using this preset for what to be afraid of in a situation as opposed to maybe giving it a sec taking a step back and looking at other possibilities right and how that preset can affect our judgment and ability to recognize where the real danger lies like the five people who own like all of the wealth or like the people who profited a ton off of the pandemic we sort of refuse to look sometimes as a society at the real villains, the real people who are causing problems. Right. Fear. I don't know. Not that we should be afraid of the, but, ah, but also like how does fear drive certain people's ability to have control over us? Yeah. You know, we fear each other at the kind of ground level when we really should be fearing like maybe these people like Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, and I think it like affects our judgment, right? And I think it's kind of relevant fear affecting judgment because it, it it should. That's what it's kind of supposed right, to do. Right. Good point. But the interesting thing then is when the fear is like fear of cert of groups of people is programmed into us by people in whose interests it is to have us fear black men then it's like okay well maybe we really need to stop and think about that and not be driven by that fear yeah but i i do think you raise a good point like fear can be really productive right like fear is really helpful sometimes but being kind of skeptical and reflective about what we are being driven by and like which fears should we be listening to versus which fears should we be more critical of fear of failure while it can be really toxic it can also be really motivating and can sometimes lead to good outcomes and like i guess that that's like a fine line but i also do think that it can it can be helpful right right absolutely 
Madeline, is there anything you particularly liked in this episode? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, I actually really liked how Buffy's mom was so engaged. She was like asking her daughter how she was doing. She noticed when Buffy seemed kind of upset. She like checked in and she was like, I'm going to go to your talent show. And then when Buffy was like, please don't go. She was like engaged and respectful. But that's a night and day difference from episode three when Buffy's trying out for cheerleading and Buffy's mom doesn't even know what Buffy's trying out for is completely unengaged. So I liked seeing that side of Joyce and it seemed like it seemed just like some good parenting going on. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Keita? Okay. So we'll get into this in dislikes but just to set the scene uh-huh the super weird creepy dummy said some weird creepy comments and i just what i kind of liked was buffy how buffy addressed it within the realm of you know maybe how she could you know she was like okay we get it it's a horny dummy routine like she called it out and she was like just stop that i i like that because sometimes it's much more comfortable to just let the creepy thing happen instead of calling it out and being the one to do that and buffy was like that's not cool that's actually kind of dumb can you not totally i liked that a lot too i thought that was great strong yeah and hard to do like it's it looks buffy makes it look so easy (laughs) and i and i wonder how much of that is that she has the physical prowess to back up her words i wonder how much that adds to her ability when when she sees something going on that she's like "Ugh, that's gross i can actually say something about it whereas like a lot of women there's this kind of fear about if i say something how would the other person respond because there can be retribution you know so should we just talk about the fucked up dummy (laughs) i would love to (laughs) i would love run it with that yeah 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 (laughs) Um, let's talk about it. So, nubile. Ew. Kita, what does nubile mean? I googled it. Okay, <laughs> first of all, don't just Google the word nubile. <laughs> oh no. But the definition is of marriable age or sexually mature, which is gross and wrong in so many ways because Buffy's 16 and this puppet is like, wow, you're so strong and nimble and sexually mature. It is gross. And then he like makes moves. He like touches her leg. I know. And I thought it was interesting when she thinks it's Morgan who's saying these things. She really stands up to him and is like, stop. But then once she finds out the dummy is speaking for himself, I thought that her reactions to him sexually harassing her really become a lot toned down. Yeah. It's sort of more humorous. He's like, okay, ha Right, haha. And then when he puts his hand on her thigh, she just kind of rolls her eyes and like puts it back in his lap. And I thought that was kind of weird. I didn't, I wanted her to kind of maintain that level of her comebacks. Like I wanted those to continue, but then they sort of tapered off once she found out that he was a dummy. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like, okay, so he's a demon slayer. So he's her colleague. <laughs> Right. And it's it's almost like the so it's like a different relationship that she's now in and she's gonna have to work with him. Yeah, I mean I'm also thinking what after you say that about how people who are sexually assaulted are often sexually assaulted by people who are close to them and it's maybe, you know, when there is that level of comfort 
Yeah, I don't know. I think there's an acceptance in it of that's just how it is. Like, that's just how he is. That's how things are going to be. There's not a lot of sense that if I hold him accountable for this, things are going to change. I wonder if she's like, oh, all those horny comments were actually, it wasn't an act. It was actually the demon. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it was. Totally. It was interesting how sad she was at the end. She like baby cradled Sid when Sid kills the demon, he dies because now he gets to be like made human or whatever. And because he's so old, he actually just dies, which is what he wanted to have happen. But then Buffy, there's this kind of moment where she picks the doll up as if she's kind of mourning his loss, which I just thought was weird, especially considering how many people die, how many actual humans and like young people die in this show. And then she's like, oh, yes, the demon slayer knew what he was getting into. She's like super sad about it. Who like chose to die. I know. I thought that was just odd. A little bit odd. Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess that files under dislike for me. I mean, in in a way, it's it is the the show acting to normalize creepy maleness, and then even after being super creepy, be loved and celebrated. Right. Yeah. Even though the creepiness was super unacceptable and very present and really gross. But we like humanized him and hey, he was a good guy. Right. That's exactly what the show did. Wow. Keita, what um, advice do you have for the characters this episode? I just, Giles, don't sacrifice everything for the job. It's a talent show. Yeah. Don't stick your head in a guillotine that you just saw slice open <laughs> a melon. Come on. Yeah, why did he do that? Why would he do that? If he's so smart, why did he lay down in this freaking guillotine when he knows there's like a demon on the loose? Also that? But yeah, self-care, Giles. My advice is for Principal Snyder. Principal Snyder seems like he's probably pretty insecure, which is contributing to his sort of attempts at being domineering and a scary principal and why he's so mean and kind of a bully of a principal. And, you know, people who act like that are often unhappy with their lives in some way. So I would like to tell Principal Snyder to like invest in like a massage or something. He just needs to like take care of his soul Because I think if he did that and like made some efforts to love himself a little bit more, he might be a better principal. He would benefit from some love in his life, I think. But I think you need to love yourself first. (laughs) I'm no inspirational poster, but I'm pretty sure you have to love yourself first. Well, Gkata, that concludes episode nine of that Slayer show. Thanks for listening, fam. We have an email. It's thatslayershow at gmail.com. So if you have any comments or questions, send us a send us an e-letter. <laughs> Our cover art was made by the fantastic Holly Colvin. And this podcast is inspired by the podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>